Before we start the show, I would like to tell you about another podcast. For 50 days, Jane will tell you one pun that will make you cringe. You can listen to her show, Daily Pain with Jane, wherever you get to your podcasts. Now, on to the show. to Box of Books. This week I will read the sixth chapter of Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery. If you remember what happened last week, Anne and Marilla drive towards Mrs. Spencer's house to send Anne back to the asylum. Along the way, Anne tells all of her history. All right, let's start. Chapter 7. Marilla makes up her mind. Get there they did, however, in due season. Mrs. Spencer lived in a big yellow house at White Sands Cove, and she came to the door with surprise and welcome mingled on her benevolent face. Dear, dear, she explained, you're the last folks I was looking for today, but I'm real glad to see you. You'll put your horse in, and how are you, Anne? I'm as well as can be expected, thank you, said Anne smilelessly. A blight seemed to have descended on her. I suppose we'll stay a little while to rest the mare, said Marilla, but I promised... I promised Matthew I'd be home earlier. The fact is, Mrs. Spencer, there's been a queer mistake somewhere. I come over to see where it was. We sent word, Matthew and I, for you to bring us a boy from the asylum. We told your brother Robert to tell you we wanted a boy ten or eleven years old. Marilla Cuthbert, you don't say so, said Mrs. Spencer in distress. Why, Robert set the word down by his daughter Nancy, and she said you wanted a girl. Didn't she, Flora Jane, appealing to her daughter, who had come down, come out to the state steps? She certainly did, Miss Cuthbert, corroborated Flora Jane earnestly. I'm dreadful sorry, said Mrs. Spencer. It's too bad, but I, it certainly wasn't my fault, you see, Miss, Cuth- Miss Cuthbert. I did the best I could and thought I was following your instructions. Nancy is a terrible, flighty thing. I've always had to scold her well for her heel heedlessness. It was our fault, said Marilla resignedly. We should have come to you ourselves and not left an important message to be passed along by word of mouth in that fashion. Anyhow, the mistake has been made and the only thing is to do it to set it right. Can we send the child back to the asylum? I suppose they'll take her back, won't they? I suppose so, said Mrs. Spencer thoughtfully. I don't think it will be necessary to send her back. Mrs. Peter... Blewett was up here yesterday. She was saying to me how much she wished she sent by me for a little girl to help her. Mrs. Peter has a large family, you know, and she finds it hard to, hard to get help, and will be the very girl for her. I call it positively providential. Marilla did not look as if she thought providence had much to do with the matter. Here was an unexpected good chance to get this unwelcome orphan off her hands, and she did not even feel grateful for it. She knew Mrs. Peter Blue only by sight, and as a small, shrewish-faced woman without an ounce of superfluous flesh on on her bones, but she had heard of her. A terrible worker and driver, Mrs. Peter was said to be, and discharged servants' girls to told fearsome tales of her temper and stinginess, and her family of pert, quarrelsome children. Marilla felt a qualm of conscience as 
at the thought at the thought of handling Anne over to her tender mercies. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll, well, I'll go in and we'll talk the matter over, she said. And if there isn't Miss, M Mrs. Peter, B Peter coming up the lane this blessed minute, exclaimed Mrs. P Spencer, bustling her guests through the hall into the parlor, where a deadly chill struck on them as if the air had been strained so long through the dark green closely blind drawn blinds that it had lost every particle of warmth it had ever possessed. That's real lucky, for we can settle the matter right away. Take the armchair, Miss Cuthbert. Anne, you sit there on the ottoman and don't wriggle. Let me take your hats. Laura Jane, go out there and put the kettle go out and put the kettle on. Good afternoon, Mrs. Blewett. We were just saying how fortunate it was you happened along. Let me introduce you two ladies. Mrs. Blewett, Miss Cuthbert. Please excuse me for just a moment. I forgot to tell Flora Jane to take the buns out of the oven. Mrs. Spencer whisked away after pulling up the blinds. Anne, sitting moodily on the ottoman with her hands clasped tightly in her lap, stared at Mrs. Blewett as one fascinated. Was she, was she to be given into the keeping of this sharp-faced, sharp-eyed woman? She felt a lump coming up in her throat, and her eyes smarted painfully. She was beginning to be afraid she couldn't keep the tears back when Mrs. Spencer returned, um, flushing and beaming, quite capable of taking any and every difficulty, but physical, mental, or spiritual, in consideration and s settling it out of hand. It, do it seems there's been a mistake about this little girl, Mrs. Blewett, she said. I I was under the impression that Miss. Mr. and Miss Cuthbert wanted a little girl to adopt. I was certainly told so. But it seems that a, it was a boy they wanted. So if you're still the same mind as you were yesterday, I think she'll be just the thing for you. Mrs. Blewett darted her eyes over Anne from head to foot. How old are you and what's your name? She demanded. Anne surely faltered the shrinking child, not daring to make any stipulations regarding the spelling thereof. And I'm eleven years old. <laughs> don't look as if there was much to you, but you're wiry. I don't know, but you're wiry. I don't know, but the wiry ones are the best after all. Well, I'll take you'll you. You'll have to be a good girl, you know, good and smart and respectful. I'll accept you earn your keep. And no mistake about that. Yes, I suppose I might as well take her off your hands, Miss Cuthbert. There is awful practice, and I'm clean worn out attending to him. If you like, I can take her right home now. Marilla looked at Anne and softened at the sight of the child's pale face well, with its look of mute misery. The, miser the misery of a helpless little creature who finds itself once more caught in the trap from which it had escaped. Marilla felt an uncomfortable conviction that if she denied the appeal of that look, it would haunt her to her dying day. Moreover, she did not fancy Mrs. Blewett to hand a sensitive, high-strung child over to such a woman. No, she could not take the responsibility of doing that. Well, I don't know, she said slowly. I didn't say that Matthew and I absolutely decided that we wouldn't keep her. In fact, I may say that Matthew is disposed to keep her. I just came over out, came over to find out how the mistake had occurred. I think I'd better take her home again and talk it over with Matthew. I feel that I 
to decide on anything without consulting him. If we make up our mind not to keep her, we'll bring her or send her over to you tomorrow night. If we don't, you may know that she is going to stay with us. Will that suit you, Mrs. Blewett? I suppose it'll have to, said Mrs. Blewett ungraciously. During Marilla's speech, a sunrise had been dawning on Anne's face. First, the look of despair faded out. Then came a faint flush of hope. Her eyes grew deep grew deep and bright as morning stars. The child was quite transfixed, and a moment later, when Mrs. Spencer and Mrs. Blewett went out in quest of a recipe the latter had come to borrow, she sprang up and flew across the room to Marilla. Oh, Miss Cuthbert, did you really say that perhaps you would let me stay at Green Gables, she said in a breathless whisper, as if speaking aloud might shatter the glorious possibility. Did you really say it? Or did I only imagine that you did? I think you'd better learn to control that imagination of yours, Anne, if you can't distinguish between what is real and what isn't, said Marilla crossly. Yes, you did hear me say what I just, just that and no more. It isn't decided yet, and perhaps we will conclude to let Mrs. Blewett take you after all. She certainly needs you much more than I do. I'd rather go back to the asylum than go to live with her, said and passionately, she looks exactly like a, like a gimlet. Man, Merla smothered her sm a smile over the conviction that Anne must be reproved for such a, a speech. A little girl like you should be ashamed of talking so about a lady and a stranger, she said severely. Go back and sit down quietly and hold your tongue and behave as a good girl should. I'll try to do and be anything you want me. If only you'll keep me, said Anne, returning meekly to her ottoman. When they arrived back at Anna, at Green Gables that evening, Matthew met them in the lane. Marilla, from afar, had noted him prowling along it and guessed his mother. She was prepared for the relief she read in his face when he saw that she had at least he had she had at least brought Anne back with her. But she said nothing to him related to the affair until they were both out in the yard behind the barn milking the cows. Then she s briefly told him Anne's history and the result of the interview with Mrs. Spencer. I wouldn't give a dog I liked to that blue woman, said Matthew with an unusual vim. I don't fancy her style myself, admitted Marilla, but it isn't that or keep but it's that we're keeping her ourselves, Matthew, and since you seem to be to want her, I suppose I'm willing or have to be. I've been thinking over the idea, and I kind of got used to it. It seems a sort of duty. Never brought up a child, especially a girl, and I dare say I'll make a terrible mess of it. But I do, but I'll do my best. So far as I'm concerned, Matthew, she may stay. Matthew's shy face was a glow of delight. Well, now I reckon you'd come to see her in that light, Marilla. She's such an in he said. She says she's such an instrument interesting little thing it'll be it's more it'd be more to the point if you could say she was a useful little thing retorted marilla but i but i'll make it my business to see she's trained to be that and mind matthew you're not to go interfering with my methods perhaps an old maid doesn't know much about bringing up a child but i guess she knows more than an old bachelor
so just leave me to manage her. When I fail, it will be time enough to put your oar in. There, there, Marilla, you can have your own way, said Matthew reassuringly. Only be as good and kind to her as you can without spoiling her. I think she's one, she's one of the sort you can do anything with if you only give get her to love you. Marilla sniffed to express her contempt for Matthew's opinions concerning anything feminine and walked off to the dairy with pails. I won't tell her tonight that she can stay, she reflected as she strained the milk into the creamers. She'll be so excited that she won't sleep a wink. Marilla Cuthbert, you're fairly in for it. Did you ever suppose that you'd see the day when you'd be adopting an orphan girl? It's surprising enough, but not so surprising that Matthew should be at the bottom of it. Him that always should, him that always seemed to have such a mortal dread of little girls. Anyhow, we've decided on the experiment, and goodness knows what will come of it. Next week, I will read the seventh chapter of Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery. I hope you enjoyed last week's bonus episode. I know I did. Thank you for listening. Keep reading! This week's shoutouts are to my dad, hey dad, and my grandpa. Hi grandpa, I'm so glad you're listening. I hope you have enjoyed the book so far. Bye, keep reading.